0: I am so thankful and so excited to be a part of a church that um, is so active in blessing the brokenness in our world and um, and all the learning that's going on in this process. And I know not everybody's able to go on a trip, not everybody's able to, to participate in some of those ways, but you are part of that movement. You're part of Blessing the Broken World as a member of this church. And so my goal this morning is really to inspire you to take one next step in blessing uh, a stranger in this broken world that's all around us. And I plan to do that, or I'm going to try to do that through uh, telling and sharing some stories of how Uh, people inside and outside of this church are already active in this. You've already seen some of that in this great video uh, that was shown. And and I really just want to show you how doable this is as well as how desirable it is for all of us. Um, the series, as Carla mentioned, called Bless a Broken World, uh, is our vision series for this fall. So it's a little different than some of the series we do around here. A lot of the series we do will will speak to felt needs that we have in our lives, and what does Jesus uh, teach us, and how does he help us deal with so many of these felt needs that are inside of this room. Um, this series is, again, really uh, to cast some vision for where we believe God is calling our our church, to continue to take steps to follow Jesus in in understanding what do we mean when we say that our mission is to help next generations uh, encounter and follow Jesus, to bless a broken world. What do we mean by bless a broken world? Uh, Sometimes, as I've been thinking about this, I wish we had never used the word broken because it is hard to step towards brokenness. Most of us don't wanna step into or towards brokenness. But we know our world is broken. We are broken. But it's in our brokenness that we often discover what a blessing actually looks like and and how to, to be part of blessing the brokenness around us. We discover in our brokenness our need for and what God's power and beauty actually looks like in our own lives. And it's through our brokenness that that we often learn to be a blessing to others who experience that similar brokenness in their lives. We also spent time in our last series talking about how we've been blessed in so many different ways. We've been given spiritual gifts and passions and pathways to strengthen our relationship with God. And, And God doesn't want us to just hang on to these blessings for ourselves. He wants us to go out into the world and share these blessings with other people all around us. Matthew, a tax collector back in Jesus' day, understood like the brokenness of their tax system. Imagine a broken tax system if you can, right? And he understood how it affected others and often would break other people. And he tells us about one day when Jesus is is teaching people about the day that, that he's going to return and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth. And, and Jesus said that on that day, all of the nations are going to be gathered together, and then Jesus is going to start separating people into two different groups. Just like a, a shepherd would, se- would separate the sheep and the goats into two different groups. And so he says he's going to take all of his sheep, all of the people who followed him were part of his flock, and he's going to put them on the right. And he's going to put the, the rest, the goats, on the left, goats does not stand for greatest of all time in this instance, okay? So just so you know that. And then Matthew tells us that Jesus describes how he's going to identify and and what this is going to look like. He says this in Matthew 25, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Amazing. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the sheep were all looking at him, like these people are all looking at him like, Jesus, we don't remember like seeing you hungry and giving you something to eat or thirsty or, or when did we come to visit you in prison? Jesus says this, he says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I heard Alice Shirey teach on this passage a few years ago, and one of the things that sticks out in my memory that she, that she taught about this passage was, this is like Jesus telling us what's on the final exam. It's like you say, you want to know me, you want to be, want to be part of what I'm doing in this world, you, want to, you say you've encountered me or you want to encounter me, be included as a follower of Jesus, Jesus says then, this is what it looks like, do these things, he says, the world is a broken place, don't, don't just think right, don't just believe right or talk right, but but do right, join me in in making things right and putting things back together. People are hungry. give them something to eat. people are thirsty, give them something to drink or they need clothes, provide some clothes for them or or visit them in prison and, and provide compassion for people. I'm not going to tell you what Jesus said to The goats on the left. You can read that for yourself. But I think you get the idea that this was really important to Jesus. In fact, so important. He's like, he's including it on his final. So it's important for us to spend a little bit of time on this, to spend a few weeks talking about what this might look like. And I want you to know right away that Jesus is not saying, this is the way we earn our way into the kingdom of God. That's not what Jesus is saying In fact, Jesus begins by saying, come you who are blessed, you who who understand that Jesus, that God has a blessing to pass on to you through Jesus. And some of you this morning, that's what you need to hear right now. You're in the midst of your own broken and hard time, and you just need to know that God wants to pass on a blessing to you through his son, Can you receive this blessing. Some of us just need to be reminded that we have received this blessing of forgiveness from our sins. And Jesus, we've received all of these promises, this promise of eternal life and an abundant life right here and right now from Jesus. And Jesus says, when you understand this, when you truly receive this into your life, you're not going to be able to help but want to go share that with other people to be able to go and bless other people around you. He says, see, you know how I've restored your broken and shattered life. You're going to want to go and, and help others begin to put their lives back together again. Not only that, but your complete restoration, the fullness of you being restored, is tied to the restoration and blessing of others and the restoration of our world as a whole. So your, your life grows as your experience of Jesus grows, and, and your experience of Jesus grows... As you follow Jesus, to to bless others and get to know Jesus through others' brokenness as well. Jesus says, follow me in these specific ways. And right in the middle of this passage, there's this phrase that I really want to focus on this morning. Jesus says this. He says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Anyone here ever feel like a stranger? I went to Chaos, our junior high ministry, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I went to encourage one of our teachers there, and some of you are already feeling uncomfortable, like, oh, I wouldn't go there, right? Well, I walked in, and I see Kyle, who's an old guy like me, and uh, he's not quite as old as me, but he has more kids than I do, so I count him as old as me because of the kids. Anyway, he's there. It's his first time ever at Chaos and i can tell he's feeling a little bit like an outsider he's feeling like a stranger and feeling a little bit awkward and I, right away i went back to when i was first hired to lead college ministry here and i remember i'm almost 40 years old at the time and i'm walking into lamp post which is a you know it was a music and and drama and they did and after basic our college ministry event they'd host events and i'm walking in there and I'm feeling totally like a creeper. Like, here's this 40-year-old guy walking in, right, with all these young people. And I want to say, hey, I'm, I'm married. It's okay. I work for the church. Like, like, if any of that would have put people at ease. But I, I just remember feeling like a stranger and feeling really awkward. So I, when I saw Kyle, when when and I just said, you know what, I'm going to stand with Kyle tonight in the back of the room. And we're just going to stand, and we talked quite a bit, and we talked about how awkward junior high is and how awkward junior high students feel when they walk into an event like this. And we both confessed, you know, I think I'm even more awkward today than I was when I was in junior high. And we laughed a little bit about that. And then at the end of the night, one of the college leaders came up to Kyle and invited him in to be part of their small group for the night. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like a stranger? Felt like you were out of place? Like you just didn't belong? Do you remember what you most wanted in that moment? Maybe it was just to get away. Maybe the better question, do you remember what you needed in that moment? Jesus says, I was a stranger, and you invited me in. A picture of a man named Bob Williams. Bob is from uh, Long Grove, Iowa, and I read about him online a couple weeks ago. Bob is a guy, every Saturday he walks into a Dollar General store and he buys a box of Hershey's chocolate bars. And then he walks around town and he hands them out to complete strangers. And he's been doing this for 10 years. He's 94 years old six thousand candy bars in his time who can take a sunrise <laughs> he's the candy man he's the candy man we've been taught I get this we've been taught don't take candy from strangers there's, there's stranger danger I I get this but what is it that we offer to strangers what do we give to strangers jesus teaches us he says invite them in welcome them extend a hospitable hand some of my wife's good friends my good friends were in california recently and uh, they were flying home they'd been out there to go to a uh, a special training to help their daughter their young daughter who's uh, battling anorexia. And so they went out to get this expert help and invested this, and they're, they're flying home and they stop at the airport, and, um, and their daughter says, I'm hungry, I want a hamburger. And they're thinking, great, let's get you a hamburger. And then despite all of this expertise and this training that they received, somewhere between the time they ordered and the time the hamburger got, something triggered their daughter, and she was no longer interested in eating. And so the hamburger came and she took a bite or two and then she just kind of set it aside. And so they're trying to apply all these techniques and all this coaching that they had just received to to get her to eat when this complete stranger walks up to them and, and says to her daughter, do you like horses? And she starts showing her all these pictures of the horses that she owns. And the next thing you know, their daughter starts eating her hamburger and she finishes her whole hamburger And then this woman, who was showing the pictures of his horses, reaches over, hugs her mom, and whispers in her ear, you're doing a great job. Hang in there. Keep going. Approached by a stranger, talking about horses when you're in the middle of a family crisis seems a little bit cuckoo, right? I mean... Put yourself in their shoes. I mean, I would have been tempted to say, um, excuse me, we're in the middle of something right now. Thank you. Um, could we have a little privacy? But they, they didn't. They, they invited this person in. Paul writes in his letter to the Hebrews, he says that some people, have, uh, by showing hospitality to strangers, have actually entertained angels without even knowing it. Our friends are convinced that that's exactly what happened to them in the middle of that airport. Jesus says, I was a stranger. The word means outsider. It means foreigner or alien. I'm not from here. I'm, I'm new to the area. You don't know me. And yet, you showed me that you were part of my father's family. By inviting me in to your world, into your life, into your neighborhood. To to invite means to to show someone hospitality. you You demonstrated that you were part of God's kingdom when you reached out to another person to include them, to welcome them, to show them hospitality when they were an outsider or a foreigner, a stranger. And this is what the religious leaders of the day had failed to do for so many decades and centuries, over and over again in the Old Testament. We read how God is is pleading with his people to be inclusive and to show hospitality to the strangers and to foreigners. It was one of the most repeated and important commands that God gave to his people. In fact, right as God is handing down the law to to Moses, and he says things like, respect your parents, observe the Sabbath, be holy like God is holy. He says this, he says, when a stranger resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And then in the next book, in Deuteronomy, we read this. He, God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. God loves the stranger. He loves the foreigner. He gives them food to eat. He gives them clothing. And he says, remember, you were once foreigners. We were strangers to God on the outside of his kingdom. We were slaves, ourselves held captive, enslaved by by sin in a broken world. And God invited us into his family. He sent Jesus to welcome us and provide a way for us to enter into his kingdom. He blessed us. He blessed our brokenness and extended this hospitality. And then Jesus says when he returns, he's going to throw open the doors to his kingdom to all the people who follow him and do this same thing. People who invite strangers in and offer them food and clothing and compassion to the family in the airport who's struggling with their anorexic daughter, or people who hand candy bars out to complete strangers just trying to make their community a more welcoming place. See, all people, even and especially strangers, matter to God all the time. And so as God's people, as followers of Jesus, all people should matter to us all the time. We should be on the lookout for strangers. We should expect new people and welcome them into our homes and our churches and into our communities. I walked home from, uh, from the bank the other day, uh, and it was a couple weeks ago, and, and it was before we moved, and my wife had a sign out in our yard. She put this sign out there a few years ago or a few weeks ago, and it just basically says, "In every language, wherever you're from, you are welcome here." And we've had a young woman from Syria living with us for a couple years, and we've had before that a number of college students who have lived with us. Yes, they are strange, and they count as strangers as well. And, um, and, and I, as I'm walking home, I see this, this young family out in front of my house kind of looking at our house. And of course, we had a for sale sign in our yard as well as we were getting ready to move. And I, I walked two blocks and they hadn't moved. They're still in front of my house when I get to my house. And so I walk up and introduce myself and the man immediately starts speaking to me that he doesn't really speak English. And so he introduces me to his wife and said, she'll speak for me. And they, they really are wanting to come in and, and see the house. And so I'm trying to ask them, do you have a realtor? And I'm trying to explain to them the house is a mess, we're getting ready to move. And none of this is translating. You know, I'm, they're just kind of looking at me. So I finally just say, you know what? Just come on in. Come on into our messy broken home right now and, and look around and let me be able to answer any questions that you might have. And so they come in and, and and they look around. Their son is five or six years old and he sits at the piano and he starts playing around with it and that sort of a thing. And and they, I answer a bunch of questions, and then they, they leave. And, and then the next day, I, I get a text message from him because he got my phone number, and, and he wanted to follow up. And then he says he left a gift for me on the porch. And I go home, and here's this beautiful picture of this dragon that he left for us on our porch. And, and we have a friend from Taiwan that was riding with us to the football game the next night. And so I asked her about this dragon. What is this? What does this mean? she goes, oh that's a green dragon, that's a really important dragon. He's, he's like wishing like prosperity and health and wellness and goodness for you. So I got that going for me. <laughs> but here I, I opened the door and just invited the stranger in just, just because. And, uh, and then we're blessed by his hospitality. And I started to think about this. You know, I grew up here in Cedar Falls, and 35 years ago, when I was my youngest son's age, I thought, what are the chances that I would walk home and see someone from China on my sidewalk out in front of my house? Practically zero. But today, there are people from all over the world, literally on our doorsteps, in our neighborhoods. And there are people all over this church who are jumping in to follow Jesus, to be a part of welcoming strangers into their communities. I talked with one family, and I just really wanted you to hear a little bit of their story, so I want you to take a look at this video of the Stuckles. then I'll come up and close.
1: I don't know, I just got a heart for how difficult life would be if you're not from here to live here. And after we had the discussion for it, Laura Hoy um, said, hey, Embark needs some mentors for some high school students. So um, I started mentoring Malay. She, at the time, was a junior at West High School. I mean, we spend most of our time when we're talking at the library about life. What did you experience? And she lived in a refugee camp. She never actually lived in Burma. So she was born in a refugee camp in Thailand. So just what was life like in Thailand in the refugee camp? And she came here when she was probably 15 years old and just can't even imagine. You know, her parents, they don't speak English. So she is at 19, 20 years old, the one that has to help her parents um, so she has to drive them and be interpreters for them.
2: Yeah, I think we've been fortunate to um, be led to those places where God's already at work, and just kind of do our um, our simple bit. And I think sometimes even like it, Amy had said, you know, I um, I don't think I'm doing much. Well, I think sometimes that's when God's able to work the most. We were uh, given the opportunity to attend a festival that they had every year, and somebody had invited you to that and. The thing I just remember seeing um, was a smile on her face when we showed up. Uh, and so we're there and, and for us it was unique because we're, we don't really speak the language and so it gives us kind of an experience being on that other end and, and then they um, had food afterwards and you want to tell me a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, they're you know, they're like, oh you're like very important so you sit over here with the important people and we're like, what? No.
2: <laughs> you I eat was... first before everybody else before. Yeah. The...
1: I was like, what? No. <laughs>
2: But I think that you could just tell the smile on her face and the family that um, I think they were just so happy to see us. And, to, you know, it's one thing to invite someone and then I think it's another thing to, to come up. But as Amy said, I think we took more out of that day and more enjoyment and just realizing um, how difficult it is to come here and learn a new language and be away from family and seeing how pride, how much pride they have in their culture and how much they love being here and how much they've been welcomed by the city of Waterloo. Um, I think it was encouragement. I think a sense of pride for us kind of living in the city that our city is one that wants to
1: embrace other cultures so I feel I don't know I feel more blessed probably than she feels blessed by it I don't know I just take joy in being able to help somebody because sometimes I don't think I have much to offer and so this kind of thing that I can do I I don't know makes me happy
2: one of the things that I'm learning is you can look at the broken world outside of yourself and look at our community and look at our world look at our country but you can also look at the broken world that's inside of who you are and so um, the broken world is is in me and it's in me every day and it's in everything I do and it's recognizing what that is then recognizing my need for God um, and then God drawing me back to Him and so um, I think that's peace sometimes that people don't forget they always want to look outward but sometimes we need to look inward to let God work in us for us to be able to reach out and uh, just say you may be hurting or you might be lonely uh, but we want to help you experience not only God but just experience community just getting out and making those connections and we I think get more out of it than Um,
0: I love their story. You know, so many of us don't think we have anything to offer here. Uh, Amy took one step. She took one step and she started, she joined a book club. She joined reading a book with some others here around church and started having discussions and then it just changed her heart. It changed her mind. She started learning some new things and she kept listening and so she took one more step and then another step and then through these steps, God is blessing their family and blessing the world through their family in amazing ways just as God intended from the very beginning. And I hesitate to share this with you because it might alter your lives and alter your plans a little bit. But this fall, we're doing another book club. We're reading another book. It's called Seeking Refuge. And I'm told that the author may even come And be with us uh, for some of the discussion. And then we may even do a trip to meet some of the people who uh, have some stories of how they have sought refuge in our area. And maybe that's a next step that some of you feel drawn to. Again, be careful. Cautious, right? Because that might change your life. You can find all the information for that, by the way, on orchardcentral.info. Or maybe... Your next step is like another family I know. Uh, they bought a new house and, and they were trying to accommodate for uh, a growing family and they realized they had more room than what they needed. And so they asked God, they said, well, what should we do? And they ended up started renting for a couple college students. And then one of the students said, hey, would you be all right if we had some international students over for dinner on Friday night? This was like in September. And they said, yeah, absolutely. And by October, they were having 15 to 25 students join them on Friday nights for dinner. And by December, they had more than 50 students from all over the world joining them in their dining room. their living room, their house for their Christmas celebration. And this couple told me that, um, you know, they've been blessed in so many ways. They've learned that, one, God answers your prayers in, w- way, uh, in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And two, that when God owns everything, it's, it's all his. So all of our resources are his. And when we give those back to him to use, our time, our talent, our our resource, our, our money, that God blesses it beyond what you could ask for and imagine. And then the other thing they learned, this is important to hear, that there are seasons for this. They were in a season when this worked really well for their family and now their family's in a new season and they're not hosting these dinners anymore, but somebody else caught the vision and picked it up and somebody, another family now has experienced this blessing of hosting these international dinners. What I want you to see, what I hope you see this morning is that that these steps that people took, these acts, are not radical acts. You know, reading a book, passing out a candy bar, having a conversation, showing somebody pictures of horses. These aren't radical acts, and they're not random acts. These are intentional acts of people who have their eyes open to welcome strangers, to care for people outside, and to love them with the love of Jesus. What might your next step be? That might be a great question to consider as we head into a time of communion you know I think communion is a picture of of this very thing because I'm gonna invite our, our communion distributors forward and they can begin to pass out out the bread and but I just want you to think about this that on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he was arrested that he was sent to the cross he's having a meal with his friends, but what does he do? He, he takes the bread that is on the table, he takes it, and he blesses it, and he breaks it. He says, this is, my, this is my body broken for you, and then he gives it to others. I think in the same way, he takes us, and he blesses us, and he knows that we're broken, and we get broken, but he gives us in our brokenness, not necessarily in our strength, but in our brokenness to the rest of the world, and says, do this in remembrance of me. Be, receive my blessing into your brokenness, and then, and then take your brokenness and my life in you out to others and be a blessing in this broken world. And he took the cup and he did the same thing. He blessed it, he gave it to his disciples, to take this and drink, do this in remembrance of me. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a new covenant, a new promise from me. The Father has forgiven you so that you can be made whole and you can go out and be a blessing. I'm going to pray and uh, you can consume then at, as you're ready. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus in this time of communion as we remember the sacrifice you made. Lord, to make us whole again to make a way for us to be yours, to be part of your family, to to enter into your kingdom so that on the day that you return, Lord, we will be on your right and you will say, come in, enjoy this kingdom that I've established from the very beginning of time for you. Father, we we appreciate, we respect, we thank you so much for that that promise. Help that, the reality of that and and the gift And the blessings that you are extending to us really sink into our lives. Help us to to give proper reflection and thought to that so that it might change us, that it might compel us to run with your love to the midst of the brokenness that's all around us. Help us especially pay attention to those strangers among us and extend hospitality. It's in your name we pray. Amen.